The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, your phone, your iPad, whatever you are reading from. We're going to jump into the Word. Amen. Lift it up real high. Show it off. You may not get another opportunity to show, your, to show off what you're working with, right? <laughs> iPhones a little higher, Samsung's a little lower. Who are we? Who are we? All right, shall, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, Nam Tlanje, Vandar, Nasichaye, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. As we start, I asked this in the first service, we started a brand new series. Uh, five weeks ago, talking about the worry-free life. Amen? And uh, I asked this question, not to try and get you to pump me up. Man, I'm always pumped. I'm already, I'm ready to go all the time, right? But I wanted to find out how many of you are getting something out of this series, the worry-free life. Anybody? Praise God. That means uh, it's relevant. Amen? And so for those of you who are joining us today, please be sure to visit the podcast and uh, the website, and you'll be able to download all the other teachings. Uh, around this subject. So we've been talking about the worry-free life. Amen? And notice we didn't say the problem-free life. We said the worry-free life because as long as you are in this world, as long as you are still here, uh, fallen world, that's where you and I live. There's going to be problems. Things are going to be thrown at you. Things are going to come against you. Uh, But Jesus gave us a promise. He said in uh, uh, John 16, verse 33, he said, in me you will find peace. And then he goes on to say that in this world you will suffer tribulation. There's going to be challenges. But he said this. He said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So in the midst of all life circumstances, we can find some good cheer. We can find some peace. Jesus called it his peace. He said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world give it. See, because for the world, for you to experience peace, uh, the way to experience peace in the world is to wait until everything lines up, right? The husband is acting right. The wife is acting right. The money is acting right. The dogs are acting right. The children, which you may never attain. It's elusive, right? And uh, uh, so you may chase that dream and it never happens. But Jesus offers us his peace. And his peace is not based on circumstances. It's not based on your boss, you know, giving you a smile or a raise. It's based on who Jesus is. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, uh, my wife and I, Chip and I, have uh, uh, faced some of some ferocious uh, battles in life. And in the midst of all those, we made a decision that we were going to go with the peace of God, the peace of Jesus. And Jesus demonstrated it. Last week, we found out he was in a boat and there was a storm. And uh, it's kind of tricky reading some of those verses while you're sitting uh, in the comfort of your home, right? Oh, yeah, there was a storm and Jesus was sleeping. But, you know, I went on YouTube and looked up storm and saw what it looks like. I mean, the waves are beaten up on the boat and the water is coming into the boat. It's gray outside and lightning. I mean, it's real when you're in the middle of the sea and there's a storm. And yet, the Bible said, in the midst of that storm, a real physical one, right? Jesus was sleeping on the pillow. Why? How? Because he knew that God was with him. And when you know that God is with you, you can have peace in the midst of all life uh, challenges, peace in the midst of all uh, circumstances. And so, in uh, dealing with this, we looked at what Jesus thought about worry, right? And Jesus uh, said some things in Matthew chapter number 6 from verse 25 onwards. The first thing he said was really mind-boggling, deep revelation. The first thing he said in, on that sermon was, don't worry. Powerful words from the Lord, right? He said, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Amen? Don't worry about it. Why? Because you and I have a heavenly father 
who will take care of us. That word father means uh, God for you and I. He's not just a deity out there somewhere, you know, disconnected from what's going on here. For you and I, God is our heavenly father. There is a relationship, an intimate one. He's put the spirit of adoption in our hearts. We can call him Abba Father, a term of endearment, a term of, of connection and love and intimacy, right? We can call him Daddy, Daddy, because he is our father. And uh, with that, we look up the word father. It's the Greek word pater, which means God is your provider. He is your nourisher. He is your security. So you don't have to worry about life because God's got you. Amen? Amen? God's got you. That's what Jesus said. He said, don't worry about it. We also looked at the Apostle Paul's uh, perspective, and he echoed the same words. So if you go with me to Philippians chapter number 4, I'm going to read from verse 6. Philippians chapter number 4, verse 6. Why should we even talk about uh, worry? Because it's probably a greater pandemic than the one we are currently in right now. Fear and worry. Man, people spend millions around worry, anxiety, stress, and uh, 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 related issues. You know, people, some people need, uh, need pills to go to sleep because worry is tormenting them so much they can't uh, sleep. They need, pills to go to, they need pills to wake up and they need pills to stay up because worry is tormenting them so much. In fact, we read a statistic uh, three weeks ago that South Africa spends about $2 billion. Uh, rand on dealing with worry-related issues. Uh, the workplace. They say at the workplace each year we use hundreds of millions of rand from stress and worry-related uh, issues. The doctors. They say 75% of all doctors' visits are just worry-stimulated. Nothing wrong with the person. They worried themselves into the consultation room so they can give their hard-earned money to the doctors. And they check them out and say, nothing wrong with you. So worry is a big pandemic. And we have to look to Scripture to see how to deal with it. Amen? Uh, once I found out what the Bible had to say about worry and the worry-free life, I tendered in my resignation from worry. Amen. I was 10 years ago, tendered in my resignation, told worry and his staff never to call me. Not interested. I'm not signing another contract. I'm free from worry. And you can do the same today. Do you realize that when Jesus went to the cross, he also took your griefs and your sorrows? And he's talking about worries. You know, we usually measure when we read Isaiah 53 verse 5, we usually measure on the healing part, and rightly so, you know. But we usually measure on the healing part and, you know, ignore the other sections of what Jesus redeemed us from. The Bible says in verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, right? Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But verse 4 said he carried our sorrows, and he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. So while he was on the cross, Jesus also took on emotional punishment so that you could be set free from it. Amen? It's a promise. Just like he bore our sins and he bore our diseases and sicknesses, he also bore our griefs and our sorrows, our worries, our stresses of life and things of that nature. He took them onto his body so that you could be set free from it. Now, if you suffer the things that Jesus already paid for, it's called in the legal world double jeopardy. It's like taking yourself to prison and locking yourself up and guarding yourself not to leave. Amen? And so today we're going to look at how to deal uh, with these worries and how we can be set free uh, from them. I'm telling you, there's freedom in this place. Philippians 4, from verse 6 to 8, the Apostle Paul cuts to the chase. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Be that. Be anxious for nothing. The big ones, the small ones, the average ones, don't take any of them. Don't worry about any of them. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise... 
Think on these things. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, He shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusteth in him. So here we see another dimension of this peace, and it is this, that peace is a byproduct of your thinking. Amen? What you let or what you allow to come into your heart will determine whether you are going to have a peaceful life, whether you are going to produce uh, uh, the worry-free life, or you are going to be tormented by worry, stress, and anxiety. So I like to study from the army because uh, I realize that the army have to be efficient and they have to be precise because the margin of error is real small. I mean, if you mess it up, you know, the uh, mistake may cost you your life, right? So I like to look at the army and this is what the army typically do when they come to a place uh, to set up camp. They set up the camp, but before they even do that, they set up what is called a perimeter around the camp and they have one sometimes two access points into the camp. And this is what they do. They check out everything that is coming into the camp. Everything has to pass through the access points, and they check it out. If it's a car, they have to see if it's got bombs. They will look it up. They will, man, they will tear that thing apart just to make sure that it's got nothing that may compromise the safety and the integrity of the camp. Because you allow all kinds of cars in there. Someone may drive in there with a, a pack of C4s and they get to your camp. Psh, the thing explodes. And this is what's interesting as well is that they check out every car. Their own cars, if you go out before you come in, they will check you out too. You know why? Because you could have gone out there and you could have been compromised. And similarly, we have to set up a perimeter around the garden of our hearts. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 4.23. It says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. If you read that same verse in the New Living Translation, it says, guard your heart with all diligence because it determines the course of your life. So our lives are determined directly from the garden of our hearts. And this is why we must check out everything. I want to know. If it lines up with God's word. I want to know. I'm going to check it out. Because sometimes these things can be sneaky, right? The enemy went to the, uh, to the Lord. And while the Lord was fasting. And he, he started throwing out some thoughts. He didn't go there. You know, traditionally people think that uh, when Satan went to Jesus to tempt him. He went with a you know, red suit and a, a horns and a pitchfork. And yeah, 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 I'm the devil. I'm here to tempt you. No, he didn't do any of that because if he had done that, Jesus would have spotted him a long while away and said, I rebuke you. Leave me alone, right? But he came to him as this, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And he hasn't changed his MO, his modus operandi, his always thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's what he did with Eve in the garden, and that's what he tried to do with our Lord and Savior. If you are the Lord, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Lord said, went to the word of God, which is the criteria we always use to allow thoughts into our heart. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he, he took uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus took him on a high place, show him the things of the world. Uh, he said, worship me and I'll give you all of this. He says, you shall worship God alone and him alone. And here's where the devil got sneaky. He went and picked a scripture and misapplied it. He said, now why don't you throw yourself over, the, over the, the, the hill because the Bible says. This is the devil. Can you imagine the devil quoting scripture? I mean, he's sneaky, right? The Bible says, if you dash your foot against the stone, he shall catch you. He's got angels to catch you. So throw yourself, test and tempt God. That's what he was saying. Misapplication of scripture. But Jesus had his perimeter and his access point sharp to the T. He was able to say, not welcome. Kick the devil out. Yeah. Amen? And that's what you and I should do if we are going to win uh, uh, against worry and fear. We need to set up perimeter and check out every thought. Someone say every thought. Every. 
And sometimes these thoughts come from uh, uh, people who've been in the camp and they've made a, 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 a meaningful contribution. Right? They are part of the family. Praise God. They are my friends. But I need to check it out. I need to check to see if, it's, if it lines up with God's word. Let's go now to uh, Proverbs chapter number 4, verse 20. Let's look at how you can uh, um, uh, have some uh, uh, access points in your life that the enemy may want to uh, take advantage of and how you need to be up on your game uh, with these access points. Proverbs 4, verse 20, and this is what it says. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. So the first access point we see there around the perimeter of your heart is your ears. He said what you should do is incline, and the inclination of, your, of the ear there is not the inclination of your head. He's talking about uh, when an animal, a horse or a dog, pricks up their ear because they want to pay attention to something, a dog whistle or something, they prick up their ear because they want to be attentive. That's what he's saying. He's saying the only time we should prick our ears up is when it's got to do with his sayings. When it's got to do with the word of God. Don't prick your ear up to CNN. Don't prick your ear up to Fox News. Don't prick your ear up to Facebook forwards. Prick your ear up to WhatsApp forwards, right? Don't prick your ear up to gossip. Because it's not going to edify you. Amen? Don't prick your ear up to, oh yeah, politician so-and-so was caught doing this and that, and then they took that from that other person. Prick your ear up to that stuff. It doesn't edify you. I'm not interested. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So you need to guard the access point of your ear. And how you do that is by making sure that everything you allow into your heart through your ear gate has to line up with God's word. And I ain't got time for no games. I've realized that the world is not a playground. It's a battleground. And the enemy wants to take me out. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not playing with me. And so I need to be up on my guard. I need to be up on my game so I can fight back. And the way to do it is to make sure that I'm selective about what I allow into my heart. I'm selective about what I listen to. Thank God for Bluetooth. Now I can choose and pick. Way back in the days when they didn't have Bluetooth, the young people may not understand this. Way back, the only options we have was FM, frequency modulation. And then they invented cassette tapes. But even that was limited. But now I have my phone. I can choose to listen to what I want to listen to. Thank God for choice. I don't let them decide uh, what I should listen to. Praise God. And so that's the first ear gate. Verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. So what you see or what you allow uh, uh, your perceptions uh, to make out of the situation has to be in line with God's promises. Remember the 12 spies in the, in the book of Numbers? God came to them and he said, man, I'm giving you this land. This is a land that I want to give it to you. But what I want you to do is to pick 12 guys uh, uh, around the camp, one from each tribe, send them over to the land that I'm giving you so that you can decide which one you want to take first. That was the plan. That was the, the game plan. Just go and, you know, see the land, scope the land, and decide which one you want first. It's like a man buying you 12 cars. And say, just go to the dealership and decide which one you want to take first. And then you go to the dealership, and you come back and you say, uh, actually, I looked at the bill. I don't think I can afford the car. Well, that's not what I said. Amen. So the 12 spies were given the land by the Lord. If you read Numbers 13 from verse 1 to 2, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children. I'm not loaning it. I'm giving it to the children of Israel. The word give means to uh, uh, freely uh, uh, exchange possession. Freely. Freely give possession. It says, I'm freely giving it to you. 
And they went and they came back and they said, man, we went to see that land. That land is some big giants. There's some big giants in that land. And man, them giants are causing problems and we won't be able to take that land. We were just but grasshoppers in that land. Their eyes were going with the natural and not with the promise. You should never allow your eyes to see any permutation of your heart. Should never be one without the promise of God. Amen? It should always be based on what God says in his word. And God says you win. If you read the back of the book, you win. Amen? And so they came back and told the whole nation. And the whole nation went with that report. And it wasn't even a true report. It was just a pigment. (laughs) Or figment. I like pigment better. It was just a pigment of their imagination. (laughs) Just a pigment. I like pigment because, you know, only a pig. They say 75. They say 98, actually. I was going to say 78. 98% of the things people worry about never happen. Just a pigment of their imagination. Only a pig could have come up with such creative things to worry about. Never happened. 98% of the things people worry about are not real. And they're never going to happen. The giants weren't even real. How do we know that? Go to Joshua chapter number 2 from verse 8 to 11 in the Message Bible. This was the reality. But their reality, because they decided to see themselves through the enemy's lens, was a defeat. And this is what it says. Uh, verse 8 to 11 of the Message Bible, Joshua chapter number 2. Joshua chapter number 2. We got it? I need you to put it up so we can see it. Joshua chapter number 2, uh, verse 8 in the Message Bible, please. Thank you, Jesus. There it is. It says, before the spies were down uh, for the night, the woman, remember the 12 spies, right? Before they were down, uh, the woman came up uh, to them on the roof and said, I know that God has given you the land. The the woman is one of the giants, I might add. So this is one of the giants speaking. And one of the giants, this is your troubles speaking. This is how your problems see you. He says, I know that God has given you the land and we are all afraid. Did you read that? The giants were saying, man, we are all afraid of them folk. And them folk were saying, oh, them giants over there. Man, you need to learn how to trouble your troubles. Amen. Your troubles are afraid of you. Your troubles know who you are in Christ, and they are intimidated by you. Your troubles, man, they don't want you to ever stand on the promises of God. He says, we're all afraid. Everyone. Someone say everyone. Every single one of them giants. Everyone in the country feels hopeless. So what was the purpose of having giants in the land? There may have been giants physically. Maybe the purpose of having giants was because God wanted them to inherit king-sized beds. Because giants build giant things. Maybe God wanted them to walk into their house and the roof is high up there. They say, you know, if a house is nice, if you walk in, you know, the waiting area, if the roof is way up there, then you know, you know, the house is really nice because they didn't feel the need to even put a room there. They just said, we're going to just, 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 (laughs) just, (laughs) he says, we're all afraid and everyone in the country feels hopeless. We heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt. And what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you put under a holy curse and destroyed. We heard it, and our hearts sank. We all had the wind knocked out of us. And all because of you, you and your God. God of the heavens above and God of the earth below. But they allowed, this was the reality. Yet they allowed their imagination to run wild. And stop them from possessing the promise. Man, you need to guard your heart. You can't allow the enemy to come and just plant all kinds of crazy ideas in your head. 
How are we going to do this one? I may not know, but God's got it. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to condemn you, because like I said, I used to be a master warrior. I had a PhD in worry. Man, I could come up with all kinds of permutations that aren't even real. I could go 50 years from today, pull out some things, and start building up all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, this is how I'm not going to be able to afford that. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. After all, it's expensive, and this is how I'm not going to be able to get healed, and this is how I'm going to die prematurely. Oh, yeah, this is how it's all going to pan out. And I would imagine those things, and none of them are real. All of them contrary to God's word. And here's what's sad is that after you realize and you walk away from it, it's not like you walk out with a bag of redemption and, uh, you know, the enemy redeeming you of all the time you wasted worrying about it. You know, you wasted five years worrying, oh, there's your five years. No, all the time you spend worrying about it, it's gone. Not going to get it back. Not going to get any change. Amen? So it's futile to live a worryful life. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? amen? John 16, verse 33. Oh, yeah, I need to finish Proverbs. I need to go back to Proverbs and finish the other uh, gate, access point, right? Ooh, yeah, verse what? Verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Here's the other gateway, uh, a, a fraud mouth. Put away from thee a fraud mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. What that means is don't speak words that are not consistent with the promises of God. Don't spell it out because the words of your mouth have power. Don't say it. Amen? Amen. Speak the promises of God. All right, cool. Let's go now to uh, John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. This is Jesus speaking. Who? Jesus, your Lord, right? Your Savior. This is what he says. He says, these things, the word of God, I've spoken unto you that in me. Someone say, in him. him. Say it again, in him. That's the kicker right there. In him. That's the key. He says, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. So the place, the location that you and I can obtain this peace is called in him. He said, in me, you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The place you need to realize you are at. That's where you are positionally and and legally. That's where you are. But vitally, you need to now start experiencing your new location called in Christ. When you get born again, you are literally translated from the world into a new location called in Christ. And as long as you are in Christ, you have access to this peace. So the key is, in your thinking, in your mind, do not leave this place called in Christ. Someone shout, I am am. in Christ. Christ. That's where you are. In fact, it's the first question God ever asked mankind. When Adam sinned, he said to Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was. God is omnipresent, right? He's not saying, where are you, you know, playing hide and seek. No, God knew where Adam was. But when he said, where are you, he was talking about positionally. And it's the same question God is asking today. Where are you? Someone shout, I am in Christ. I am in Christ. And therefore, you shouldn't worry about everything that's going on around you because it can't touch you. MC Hammer. Can you, the pastor, I went to that church, the pastor quoted MC Hammer. Can't touch you. I've been to uh, places, you know, the safari. Uh, we were we went out for a vacation in uh, in April, and so we decided we were gonna go out into the uh, what is it called the the park, the game park. You know, we were gonna drive into the game park, and uh, while we were driving into the game park, to my amazement, I saw a group of people who were sitting in one of those safari cars. You know, top the the thing. I mean, you're you're out in the open. Anybody ever seen those? No, I don't ride those. <laughs> I'm in my bucky, and all the windows are up. 
I mean, the windows are dirty, and I'm telling my kids, you take photos through that dirty screen. They're like, man, we want to. I said, no one is opening them windows. But then I had a chat with one of them, a tour guides, and I said, how can you be so bold to do this? He said, as long as you're in the car, the lion won't attack. I said, how come? He said, because the lion can't distinguish the person from the car. So as long as you're in the car, he thinks you're that big creature. Now, some people get comfortable. It always happens. Some people get comfortable, jump out the car, start walking around, you know, and boom, the lion will eat you up. And so don't ever forget that you need to stay in Christ. As long as you stay in Christ, you're safe. The enemy looks at you and, man, that big creature. It's the same one that defeated me 2,000 years ago. But you try to get out of Christ and do it in your own strength, man, you are on your own. Yeah. Amen? Stay in Christ and depend on his strength. Hallelujah. All right, cool. Now let's talk about worry and your assignment. Because worry has got something to do uh, with your assignment uh, that is not really cool, okay? And so we're going to look at worry in relation to your assignment. If you look up uh, Matthew chapter number 4 from verse 18 to 19, uh, we're going to start in verse 18 to 19. But this is the uh, parable of the sower sowing seeds. You remember the story? Jesus said there was a parable. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark chapter number 4. Did I say Matthew? Mark chapter number 4, 18 to 19. And this is the parable of the sower sowing seed. And uh, Jesus said the sower went about sowing seed. You know, God is giving us the word, right? He's sowing seed or the teacher of the word is giving out word is sowing seed. What I'm doing right now preaching is I'm sowing seed and we're reading scriptures. It's like sowing seed. And he said, all this seed fell onto different uh, types of ground or dip different types of the heart or the mind. And the first one, he calls it uh, the wayside. And he said, the seed that fell on the wayside, the birds of the air came and uh, ate it up before it even uh, had found itself in the ground so that it can spring forth and bring about fruit. They just came and snatched it. And Jesus described that ground as a people who lack understanding. See, church is not just a bunch of people getting together uh, looking for a goosebump or for a tickle, you know, of the flesh. You know, we went there, tried to get a touch. No, church is a place where you also get activated intellectually. Amen. And this is why it's very important uh, 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 for you uh, to sit under the word in a church that teaches the word, Amen. not just preaches the word. Amen. Preaching is inspiring. Teaching is explaining. Amen. You've got to understand how things work. Because yeah. inspiration, as good as it is, and we all need inspiration sometimes, inspiration can't stop the boat from sinking. You can sink with a good attitude. Just praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can sing while playing music. The Titanic, right? But when you have understanding, you can stop the boat from sinking. You'll know where to, what to do and where to patch up. And so this is why the uh, proverb says, uh, wisdom is the principal thing, and in all you're getting... Get understanding. Seek to understand how things work. When you do that, you stop the birds from eating up your seed. And so the first ground is wayside. They don't understand the word. But here's the good news. There are four different kinds of ground. Three of them don't produce. But here's the good news. You are not completely relegated to a type of ground for life. You are not wayside for life. That's the good news. You are not wayside for life, right? You can change that. You can get some understanding and move from being wayside to being good ground. The second type of ground uh, Jesus talks about is stony ground. They lack uh, personal conviction. So they were quickly offended when things didn't happen fast. You know, the microwave generation, they wanted it to happen fast, right? They were quickly offended when things didn't happen fast. Persecutions and, and, and things of that nature came to oppose the word quickly offended. Because things didn't happen uh, fast. I mean, this generation... They want things to happen fast. But sometimes, just sometimes, in God, it's going to be seed, time, 
and harvest. And that's why you shouldn't grow weary of well-doing. So that you can reap in due season if you don't faint. Don't get tired, right? That was the second type of ground. The third one, he called it thorny ground. Thorny ground. And he said this of this, the thorns uh, 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 sprung forth from the ground and choked the word. And he explained this by saying uh, that these were worries of life or cares of life. Uh, Mark 4, 18 to 19. Now these are the ones amongst the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world or the worries of this world or the anxieties of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Deceitfulness of riches is easy to spot. You know, when money is trying to get you to do some things, you can spot that a mile away and say, you know what, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to kill anybody for money. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to backstab to try and get a promotion. I'm not going to do that. Money is not that important. Easy to spot. The other one, last of other things, man, it's easy to spot. For any Christian person, when someone else buys a new house, a new car, man, you can go and celebrate and be free from lust, right? Lust of other things, it can't really latch itself on you, but cares of this world is sneaky because it's acceptable. A little worry over here and there is good for you. That's what the scientists say. A little worry is fine for you. If you go to your family and say, man, I'm worried about this, no one, none of them will rebuke you. They'll say, oh, yes, yeah, it's a normal thing to do. But we are not normal. Uh, amen. Amen. amen? We are not normal. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And so worry is sneaky. People live in, you know, have shores in the U.S. and Hollywood. They live in have shores that, in, you know, encourage people to come out and worry and uh, uh, spill out their worries, spell them out. Come on, just say it all out. What are your fears? <laughs> and it's encouraged. But here's the problem is that Jesus said the worries of life, the worries, the cares of this world have the power to choke the word. The all-powerful word, God's word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of spirit and soul can be choked by your worries. Your worries can, can literally suffocate. You know when a lion attacks prey in the jungle, it goes for the, for the, for the neck, right? It goes for the neck so it can choke that thing to death. That's what worries, these little worries that you're entertaining. That's what they do. They're going onto the neck of the word that God has given you. And here's what's scary is that also when God gives you your assignment, God has never created anyone to be average. God has created you to do something meaningful with your business. He wants you to reach the world. He wants you to explode. God has an assignment on you for your ministry, for whatever God has called you to do. He has an assignment for you, but that assignment comes in word form. It comes as a prophetic word. It comes as a word. Of, uh, of, of assignment, of destiny, a word, a vision word, right? And that word can be choked, stopped in its tracks by your worries. And the lion will go and grab your assignment right at the throat. Little, small little foxes, they are the ones that spoil the vine. These little worries that, you, you know, it's all right, it's not sinful. No one goes to prison for worrying. After all, everybody does it. It's choking the life out of your assignment. And so what should, what should you do when it comes to your assignment? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 from verse 24 to 26. My time is almost far spent. I'm going to ask for some bags from ladies. You know those who have bags that they don't care much about? <laughs> or that they don't worship? That usually gets a response. That usually gets a response, right? If you don't worship your bag, please throw it up here. <laughs> Julie was like, yeah, pastor. <laughs> there you go. Talk about worship, yeah. See this one here? See this one? Beautiful bag. It's going to represent financial problems, right? Financial problems. This one over here? Marital problems. This one over here, work issues. Right? This one over here, children problems. This one over here is going to represent the government problems. 
that don't even concern you. <laughs> this one over here is going to represent what the next elections of the country is going to go. How do I look? Uh, first, first Peter, my wife was talking about First Peter 5, uh, 7 last week. She said that the, the word casting there means to uh, offload, right? Uh, the cares uh, that you're, you're carrying, and this is what she said. She said because those cares, that word cares or worries, is defined as things that you are carrying that have the potential to affect you uh, psychologically. They can affect you uh, physiologically. You know, if you, sometimes you can carry this burden so much, you just, you just start to, you just slump. You just, you see my shoulders are up here. At some point, they just, you know, just, uh, you lose all your vigor for life. Physi physiologically, right? It can also affect you spiritually. Because you can't do much. When it comes to your assignment, man, this will cripple you. So what should we do? First Peter 5, 7 says we should cast. We should put it on the beast of burden. Because God cares for us. Instead of carrying it, we should give it to Jesus. Amen? I said amen. Watch what it says here when it comes to your assignment. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race, your assignment is, uh, is, running, is like running a race. This life that we live is like running a race. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race... Uh, they, they, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? So when you run in a race, the, the only winner really is, the, is, the, is number one, the one who takes first place. Number two is the first loser. <laughs> there's only one winner. You know, this uh, silver medal, bronze. No, there's only one winner. Man, it gets worse. You take your kids these days, you take your kids, we took, uh, they take, took our boys from our school to go play soccer. Them boys got whipped 12 new. They all got medals. For what? Because we want them to feel good about themselves. No, they don't need to feel. 12 nil, they're embarrassing all of us. They shouldn't have played. They should be recalled. Man, we have become soft. This generation has become soft. Where we grew up, there was only one winner. Number one. What did you come? Number two, ah, chief. You didn't win. So here... When you're running, you must run to, to be number one, right? Yeah. And it says here, run in such a way that you may obtain the gold medal. Yeah. You may become number one. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Hebrews chapter number 12 verse 1. Is this helping you? And so most people that entertain worry are trying to run the, the comrades looking like the way I'm looking right now. True. This is what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So there are people in the grandstands cheering you on. Moses, Abraham. Uh, Paul, all of the other saints who went to heaven, they are cheering you on right now. And he gives us this advice, let us lay aside every weight. Let us cast it. Right? This is what we should do. Or you can get the pastor to cast it for you. So, this is what you do with the worries. Man, let me ask you a question. If I show up to the starting line of the comrades looking like this, what's the first thing you're going to tell me? What's wrong with you? Have you ever seen the, the, the marathon runners? Man, they take everything off. I mean, you're not going to see a marathon. I mean, some of them even wear those little shorts that are up to here. Those little <laughs> tiny shorts. They're marathon runners, man. Have you ever seen those shorts? I will never be caught wearing those shorts in my life. <laughs> I will never be wearing those shorts. So the first thing you're going to tell is, hey, listen, get the weight off of you. And that's the call we have today. 
God is saying, if we're going to run this race, we need to lay aside every. Someone say every. Which means the small ones, the big ones, the average ones. Some of you worry about, you know, your parents. You should cast to the Lord. You should get God to take care of them. Some of you worry about your children, what their future is going to look like. Man, you should turn them over to the Lord. So you pray for them, but you turn them over to your Lord. You don't carry the burden because you have a race to run that is set before you. And you should lay aside every weight and every sin that's going to slow you down. And so when we talk about worry, you know, a lot of people sit in the service and they really think that they have an option. Say, I know Jesus said, don't worry about it. I know the Apostle Paul said, don't worry about it. I know the Apostle Peter said we should cast our cares. But pastor, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to take my chances with worry because it's comfortable. I'm going to sit here and just worry about it. Man, it's slowing you down. It's, it's choking your assignment, your God-given assignment. Stop entertaining worry. And man, I'm telling you, there's a peace that's available for you. And just surrender yourself to that peace. And say, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to care. Uh-uh, I'm not going to care about it. I'm definitely going to pray about it, but I'm not going to carry the care. As soon as the worries come, you don't even have a moment to analyze them. Listen, you are running the comrades, right? They will pass on things on to you. You don't even have time to analyze it. Oh, I wonder what this is about. I wonder what, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cast it onto the Lord. And then you cast it, right? And this is what we usually do. We cast it, but we keep our minds on it. And every often we go back and we say, Lord, I want to see what you have done with it lately. I just want to see if there's any progress. And we go back into that same spot. Man, when you cast it, you cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. And I have to cast it into stopping to preach because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we thank you for you have an assignment for each and every one of them. Lord, we thank you because we know that you haven't created anyone to be average. And so, Lord, this morning we pray for these, your precious children, under the sound of my voice. Father, we just pray for this peace, the Jesus kind of peace. This peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace that is not based on circumstances. This peace that is based on who you are. Lord, we just pray that this peace may be an anchor in their soul. Lord, we pray that this peace may be an umpire in their souls. Father, we pray that in the midst of financial pressures, in the midst of health pressures, in the midst of social life pressures, These, your children, will not fold under pressure. But Father, that they will keep their eyes on you and that they will receive a peace that goes beyond their understanding. Lord, we thank you that this peace is our redemptive promise, is our redemptive right. You carried our griefs. You bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And so, Lord, this morning we exchange our griefs and sorrows for joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Father, right now we pray for those who have been struggling to find rest even in the night seasons. Those that have been struggling with insomnia. Those that have been struggling with restlessness. Nightmares in the night seasons. We rebuke those spirits right now in the name of Jesus. You are not welcome here. Go, never to come back. Lord, we thank you. We know your word says in Psalm 127, it is vain to rise up early and sleep late at night and eat the bread of sorrows because you have given to the beloved sweet sleep. Lord, we thank you for that promise of rest when it's the night seasons. Lord, we thank you that you've also given us the Holy Spirit to refresh us, to energize us in the daytime when we are in our jobs and we are doing work. 
Lord, we thank you that in the night seasons we'll find rest. In the daytime we'll be productive, creative, innovative, and we will have uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to energize us to do what we need to do. Lord, we thank you for your peace. No more cares, worries, or anxieties. We cast them over to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we cast them over to you this morning. We put them into the shredder. We won't put that thing together again. We commit to be free from it. In the name of Jesus, may our meditation be acceptable to you. May our meditations be filled with your word. Father, we thank you and we give you all the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, God hasn't created you to carry all that weight. God hasn't created you to allow that weight to wake you up at night. So you can sit around and, you know, worry about it. God hasn't created your body to carry all of that. That's why he says you must cast it onto him. Your prayer requests are the things that you are tempted to worry about. If you are tempted to worry about it, you should be praying about it. And when you pray about it, know this, that God is faithful and is able. And here's the big one. He's willing. To carry it on your behalf. Amen. Man, it's time to stop worrying. I know the world is worrying about this and that. They're worrying about their provision, where they're going to get their provision from. We know that God is our source. God, man, Chip and I, man, sometimes we face all kinds of ferocious battles on the family front and on the ministry side. Because it seems when God, you know, promotes you to lead a group of people, you are the enemy's target. So he's going to target you. He's going to shoot at you. But we've learned how to cast all of that onto the Lord. As quickly as the things come, we cast them onto the Lord so we can be free to run this race without any extra baggage. Amen? Man, you want to keep your preaching pure? Cast your cares onto the Lord. You don't do that. You're going to be coming up here and spending all your preaching time talking to one person. Some of you. You talk about the pastor behind his back. Some of you. You don't buy the pastor lunch. Man, I'm telling you, if you don't cast, he's going to mess up your entire ministry. He's going to mess up your assignment. You need to learn how to cast. As soon as they come, man, just grab it. You don't even have to analyze it. Just, I'm giving it up to the Lord. And the Lord is very much willing to carry those burdens. Did that bless you? Man, it blessed me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Someone shout, I'm not going to worry about my finances. I'm not going to worry about my job. I'm not going to worry about my marriage. I'm not going to worry about my children. I'm not going to worry about any cares and worries of life. I'll be free of worry because Jesus has made me free. And therefore, I am free indeed. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.